When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 186. We're recording on Friday, December 2nd. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Well, we we were wondering if we're going to get enough recommendations to do another <laughs> <laughs> We're scared every yeah. year uh, that we're not going to have enough. Got enough. Um, but I think people did need the two weeks of notice. And, you know, also yes. they got to hear one show. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like. And we got so we got a bunch more. It's going to be the whole show today. Um, we had yep. to cut them off the uh, last night. Uh, so there was one or two that dribbled in afterwards. We're not going to get to. Um, I'm going to try to respond at least an email to those. Um, so they all get a little something in your stocking, not just. Uh, just yeah, uh, we needed some time to do our homework. Yep find some of these and it's this these uh questions are funny like in opposition to the ones last week because last week we were so like non-fiction mm-hmm. science heavy and it's almost like folks were like okay let's yeah, talk about almost, some very other little things. non-fiction this time a couple but uh not much before we get into it, let's go for our first sponsor audible is back some of these i think uh, mention audiobooks explicitly um either mm-hmm. in so you know try them try you can give a gift membership that might be an interesting thing to try to give to your, to your mom or dad or brother, someone who likes books, likes ideas, but you know, they're hairy, they're busy because they can listen to it in their car while they're shopping, you know, playing games, whatever else they might be doing, folding the laundry, cooking, you know, what, whatever it is. We all have those times in our lives that we have our hands and eyes might be occupied, but our ears are open and ready for some uh, bookish goodness to flow in. Go to audible.com and you can try a whole bunch of things. They're the world's leading provider of audiobooks. Like you've heard us say it before. Um, they've got so many audiobooks now that they took the number of titles out of the ad read. They was like, you know what? It's it's a crazy number now. Just like it was changing, it was changing all, all the time. The time. It was like ten thousand billion, and like that's not a number and whatever. So, and unlike a streaming or rental service, these are these are your files. You can play them in the Audible app even after you, uh, if you ever decide to discontinue the membership. The the app will still work. The files will still be there, available for you to try. That's a nice thing too. The other thing I think people have when they're getting into audiobooks, if you're thinking of this as sort of a gift idea is if they don't like it, it's too long. Audible's got that covered, too, with the Great Listen Guarantee. You decide you don't like the book you chose, not a problem. Exchange it. Any book you aren't happy with for another title, another title anytime, no questions asked. You don't have to call anybody. You don't have to email anybody. Um, you log into your account, and the options are right there, and it happens instantaneously, and you don't get any flack. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to enter a code. You don't have to go through a phone tree. You know, all that stuff of modern uh, purgatories of customer service. Nope. This is very simple. They want you to be a customer for a long time, and part of that is enjoying the books you choose and the money you pay for them, and so they decided this is the best way to make that happen. Just for our listeners, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash bookride today to start your free trial shows the support for this show so they'll come back and give us money so we can do stuff um you know also if you got a recommendation you, this is might something if you don't want to buy them a membership can't afford to tell your friends and family about the f- free 30-day trial they can get one you know say hey i love this audiobook i know you i think you might like audiobooks too here's one to start if you haven't tried audiobooks that's another way to get people uh hooked on audiobooks too okay 
Um, we, we, we're going to have to burn. We got, we got a butt to do, uh, so we're we going to have to cook. So why don't you read the first one? Okay. This is from Emily. She is looking for a book for her little brother. He's a junior in college and has recently, within the last year or so, gotten really into poetry. She'd like to get him a poetry collection that pushes his boundaries some. He is a white guy, and she thinks he could use a little enlightenment into a broader world. You want to start? Yeah. Um... I, I, this, uh, I'm so I'm suggesting the complete poems of M, uh, Elizabeth Bishop. Um, there are actually two volumes. You can buy volume one and two. I, I like the pink one better. I think that's volume one. I'm, I'm looking at my <laughs> shelf right now. Um, and this struck a little bit of a chord with me because I wasn't a huge poetry guy as an undergrad. Um, I like my Whitman. I like my Dickinson. And I and, and when I went to grad school at Columbia. Um, I took a course with uh, the great Marcellus Blount, and it was a poetry course, and I was looking forward to learning a bunch, and I did. And one of the um, uh, new-to-me people was Elizabeth Bishop, and she is subtle, she's dark, she's thoughtful, she's sad, um, but also can celebrate um, life in its own way. Um, an experimental poet for her own time, uh, really interesting. So she was 1927 to 1979 is her lifetime. Um, there's going to be some that maybe the art of losing is a famous one. Um, the art of losing isn't hard to master is the fam- famous first line of that. I think that's what I would recommend. So at, having done the white guy getting into poetry thing, uh, this is one that really struck a chord with me. So that's my, that's my pick. The complete poems uh, of Elizabeth Bishop. There's two volumes, I believe. Start with volume one. That's mine. Nice. Uh, I am not a great reader of poetry. I've like every year, it's one of my resolutions Mm. to read more. And usually I make it into like February where (laughs) I'm reading. I believe it's like the Poetry Foundation will do like a poetry a day thing. They have an app and I just fall off the wagon. But I always mean to read more. Um, This year I read Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur, which if you are a listener of the show, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about because it sold like a floppity jillion copies, like almost a million copies. There was a floppity jillion. That's what the number was. They might as well. Um, And really unusual for a work of poetry to sell a million copies, but especially from a small press, especially by a relatively unknown name. Um, And there have been a bunch of factors that went into the making of Milk and Honey being a big phenomenon, uh, but a collection that has resonated widely um, with mostly women Mm -hmm. readers um, across Tumblr and across Instagram. Um, The sort of consensus about how Rupi Kaur got big is that she was doing social media right. She has this following of, uh, of women, and the poems do address issues of femininity, of women's experiences, of sexuality. Um, there's some, you know, sort of pointed political stuff, and then there's just some sort of quiet, observant stuff, and they're really lovely and beautiful. So, um, for poetry written by someone with a completely different experience of the world uh, than your brother, those are really wonderful. Um, and then I started thinking about this sentence that you wrote about using a little enlightenment into a broader mm-hmm. world, and I was thinking about Whitman. Um, and I think if you, I mean, I don't know if your brother mm-hmm. likes Whitman, but if he's getting into poetry and he's a white guy, I'm going to make that assumption to start. Um, I think Mary Oliver Mm -hmm. is a really interesting place to go. She writes gorgeous poems about nature and being out in the broader world, um, sort of putting yourself in the way of beauty, uh, as uh, Cheryl Strait and Adrian Rich, I don't know, that's Cheryl Strait, straight up, uh, would put it. Uh, So I I love Mary Oliver. Um, I think you can't go wrong. There are some big collected poem 
poetry volumes and she had a recent one uh, just out this year that I'm like rapidly go- it's called Upstream uh, is oh, the newest collection is it poetry that came out or is that year. essays I thought that was essays oh I thought it was poetry I'm not sure I haven't read that no, one Google it Let's, uh, listener and you continue can continue my googling yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's famously known for the um, what will you do with your one wild mm-hmm. and precious life uh, oh no it is Upstream is essays uh, and so those are sort of quietly meditative I believe um but I oh have, really? A I've poet wrote uh, quietly meditative essays. I'm shocked. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New and selected poems, volume one, uh, is the place to start. Her newest collection of poetry was Felicity, which came out last. It is nice about poetry, uh, um, at least for people later in their careers, that there's a, there's a usually a collected volume. Like it's not a question of which of these individuals yeah. you can just buy a big, you know, a big omnibus edition. Uh, because Elizabeth Bishop, she her books were published in discrete volumes with you know vaguely whimsical, uh, ambivalent titles. But now he's like volume one complete poem, right? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very helpful that way. I think poetry's tough for readers to yes, just get into on our is. own. Like I, it's interesting to me that he's in college while this is happening mm-hmm. um, because it's intimidating to try to get into a form that most of us aren't really taught how to read or we don't grow up reading it naturally. And I know that um, I can get hung up on like, am I going to get yeah it like am i a good enough poetry reader to get it and i think all the ones that we've talked about here are very accessible you don't need to like know anything about the form of poetry or the history of it or anything to see what these poets are doing uh, what they're trying to say to their readers yeah blount used to say what you get at what you get what you get out of it like whatever you got out of it is mm-hmm. what you got like he was very cool uh and that's was his sort of theory. Oh, I like that. Um, the standard answer to this now, I, sh- I, I should have said, I think would be the collected poems of Rita Dove, which was just nominated for a uh, National Book Award. I, I didn't win, I don't believe. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a retrospective of her wonderful career, too. Um, and I didn't put that one in because I was like, oh, that's too obvious. But you know what? It's not if you're just getting into it. I should have thought of that before, the collected poems of Rita Dove. Uh, also a a wonderful poem, and a poet, excuse me. Maybe if you want to do something a little weird mm. for him, definitely a different perspective. Um, Autobiography of Red oh, by Anne, yeah, Carson. Anne Carson. Yeah, that might be a intermediate to advanced. I mean, she's wonderful, but that is uh, mm-hmm. experimental, modern. It'll bend, It'll your, bend brain. your brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe maybe next Christmas for for Anne Carson. There um, you go. Put it on yeah, the Okay, I'll do the next list. one. Season's reading book writers. Yeah, next step. My father-in-law read traditional epic fantasy in his youth. These days he only reads the latest Robin Hood books. What would you recommend as a good transition between old school fantasy and the edgier modern fantasy? Um, I don't think either of us are super well versed in fantasy enough to make these fine combed gradations between maybe you are. Mm-hmm. I feel a little less prepared. Yeah, no, I'm so not. I'm going to extrapolate from what I've read about in fantasy recently and sort of put them into <laughs> my own arbitrary categories. So I'm guessing that traditional epic fantasy in his youth is like the sort of Shannonera stuff, like all the stuff that kind of comes out of Tolkien. Oh, Wheel, Wheel of, of Time, time yeah. all that business. Um, so... So one I would suggest is standalone is Stardust by Neil Gaiman. It's fantasy. So it has a lot of like epic fantasy tropes. Um, There's not like big sword fights, but there's, you know, kings and struggles for power and, you know, fantasy land. But it's funny and it's 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 untraditional. It feels like it's a it's a fantasy book that's aware of fantasy tropes. So if you're someone who already knows fantasy tropes, it's kind of a way of saying, oh yeah, there's this other, there's these other things you can do around fantasy, and it's a standalone, so you're not committing to a big series. Um, so that's one. And then from there, I think a series that's not yet done. It's the King Killer Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss. The first book is in the name of the wind. I've talked about this on the show before. How I didn't know it was part of a trilogy. Blah blah blah. Um, so violated the, the two, O'Neill's razor. Two of the three are out. 
Um, probably the next year or two, the third one will be out. The other big thing, and this is something we talked about the sh- on the show if it was a regular Newsweek, is Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be the executive producer of a whole King Killer Chronicle sort of world of TV and movies, um, movie adaptations and a, 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 go, a TV show that goes along with it. So that might be fun, like really come into the modern. That, M- Manuel Miranda doing The Name of the Wind is like, Modernity on modernity in pop culture, like you know, fantasy pop. <laughs> it is so yeah, it's interesting. Checker on a checker for like these are the. I think Rothfuss probably in, in fantasy is the biggest thing cooking in this trilogy. People are waiting for that last one, and then Miranda is as hot as anybody in pop culture. And those two, two getting together, and they're coming from really different directions. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. So that's one too. And then I think N.K. Jemisin's The Inheritance trilogy. I think is a good representation of the modern state of fantasy. For what, what that, that's my sense of it too, um, in terms of diversity and and themes and structure, um, it feels like weirdly modern fantasy. And that trilogy is all that you can buy a big paperback, take it to the beach. You know, if your if your father in law is the kind of person that likes big paperbacks, like I like that kind of thing, big tomes. She's She's wonderful. Um, you know, she's going to have a really wonderful long career. Her, her this the I can't remember the name of the current. Trilogy. She's working on the last book comes out next year, The Stone Sky in August. I'm actually going to talk about that down the down the way a little bit. Um, but that's another one. That that's another one. If if he likes that one, then there's more books to find um, there as well. So those are my picks. Yeah, I kind of took the same approach into this yeah. question that you did, and so I'm starting with Lev Grossman's that's Magicians really series. Uh, not epic fantasy, but so many nods mm-hmm. to the canon of Harry fantasy Potter, books. Narnia, uh, both Tolkien. yeah Harry Potter Narnia some of the older stuff I am sure that there are inside jokes and winks to fantasy yes. books in the magician series that I didn't get <laughs> because I haven't read all those sort of canonical works of fantasy but I thought um, the magicians is a really fun series uh, kids who think they're going to interview for college find out that they're you know being tested for their magical abilities they end up at a place that's like a cross between Hogwarts and Dr. Xavier's Yeah, right, school. yeah, for talented um, youngsters. But, yeah. Right, for talented youngsters, but uh, who are college age, so there is more edge to the stories. Um, Narn- the, an, a, like, Narnia stand-in world turns out to be real, and they... F- battle good and evil uh but the books are not like they're not humongous books they're the like average length of novels like 350 400 pages uh there's three books in the trilogy i thought it ended very strongly but i love what grossman does with like you can just see his delight and his love for fantasy books um and there's a lot of great like what it is to be a book lover and to see these references to shared works that you've loved show up in a new series so there's a lot of homage stuff going on there um really great your father would almost definitely get more of those jokes than I did. Um, I think those were really fun. My dad sort of has followed this trajectory, like used to read, came Hmm. up on Tolkien, read the Patrick Rothfuss stuff and is sort of getting back into it. He really liked Lev Grossman's stuff. So I'm hoping that will work for your father-in-law as well. Um, and then sort of a current state of fantasy recommendation that I think we talked about last year on uh, these rec shows, uh, is Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, which is the first in a series. I believe it's going to be a I trilogy. So uh, and and it takes sort of a st- like the story itself is a sort of state of the union mm. of the world of fantasy. Um, the main character is a black man, a former slave uh, who is now the sorcerer royal of a big uh, community of wizards. And he's got to go to fantasy or he's got to go to fairyland to find out why 
magic has stopped flowing into England. Uh, He has this amazing badass female companion who's just as good of a wizard as he is. And so there's like some glass ceiling stuff and some racism Mm. in fantasy sort of stuff that she's exploring just by having these characters be who they are. Um, So it has a point, but the story itself is not pointed or political. Just a ton of fun to read. And I can't wait to spend more time uh, with those characters. So Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho might be a good place to go there. Okay. All right. This next one is from Anne-Marie. This is going to be more in your wheelhouse, so I'll read the question. Uh, Hi, Jeff and Rebecca. I'm looking for a holiday recommendation for a friend. We are both avid readers and have been enthralled by books set around 1900 to 1930. We've read the following so far. The Molly Murphy series by Reese Bowen, Pretty Much Anything by Hazel Gaynor, She Wore Only White by Dorth Binkert, and The American Heiress by Daisy Goodwin. We both fell in love with the Molly Murphy series and would like to read more books like it that are set in New York City. If possible, immigration, family secrets, or mysteries, or just a great story, anything you think may fit. Uh, Let's see. Hope that you can help me with a new find and I can give a book instead of a gift card this year. Sincerely, (laughs) Amber. Okay, well, I've got one that I think is right in your wheelhouse, but I'm going to come at the slant first. I'm going to be accurate with, but not be precise. I'm not going to hit exactly your time and uh, location. Um, It's Manhattan, right? In New York. Um, a couple mm-hmm. that are in New York, but a little earlier. Ragtime by E.L. Doctorow, which is a classic. I mean, it's one of the great books of the 20th century. Set at turn of the century in New York. Um, it follows uh, various strains of characters about what it was like to be in New York around the turn of the century. So that's on the early side. I think it's like 1890s into the early uh, 20th century is Ragtime by E.L. Doctorow. Uh, that, that would be a really strong pick. Set around the same time, a little bit earlier, 1880s and later, um, the Gilded Age, Martin Dressler by Stephen Milhauser is about an architect as well and a developer who's building a giant hotel. And there's a big allegory for New York and modernity and you know all the things that go on to it. Milhauser's, I think he's an underrated writer. Um, this book got a lot of press. I think it won the Pulitzer or something when it came out. One of the big awards or was finalists mm-hmm. for it. Kind of um, uh, under under read or talked about now, I think. I guess maybe it's just that I'm not hearing or talking to the right people. But those are two that New York... You know, bustling Gilded Age. You know that 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 New York you like of the 1890s to the early pre-Jazz Age New York. So you're not. It's these are both work, works that the the spirit they're writing about ends when World War One rolls around. Another one. I'm going to go on the other side of your time frame and a different city. Um, the Living Is Easy by Dorothy West. It's about black affluent socialites in Boston in the 1940s. Wonderful book. Um, West was one of the the sort of post-Harlem Renaissance writers who took up the mantle of chronicling black life in all of its forms. Um, and her her chosen milieu was affluent black people. That's the world she lived in. She The Wedding, which is about, um, it's also a great book. It's about, it's, I think you would like this book, Rebecca, because like, kind of the band mm. gets to back together at a wedding on an island with all these black oh, people. Yeah, affluent. Uh-huh. I think you'll like that one. Um, but The Living is Easy is much more of a scene, world building, and what it's like to be. It's about race and skin color, and all the things are about that, too. But you also get a nice, I think one thing you're looking for is like a worldview, a peek into these worlds um, around this time. And then the, a modern book, this is really like the smack dab, I think, in the middle of your wheelhouse is a book that came out last year, A Fine Imitation by Amber Bach. Uh, came out from Crown last year, and it's a you know it's a young socialite. She gets it's in the twenties. She gets uh, involved in a mysterious painter, and you know it's it's that kind of stuff. Um, lots of martinis and sort of full length mink coats and feathers in your hair, intrigue, sex stuff. I, I so. You see, I, I, I want to give you that recommendation, but I also want to push you to the other ones too because I like them. I like them very much, and I think you guys would like exploring them together. So those are my picks. 
Cool. Yeah, my only one, I'm not a great reader of mm. historical fiction. Um, my only one is St. Maisie by Jamie Attenberg, which came out last year and is about, uh, is inspired by the real life of a real woman named Maisie Phillips who lived in New York that Jamie found uh, sort of old New Yorker profiles of and did research. But the, so the novel is inspired and based on a real woman. Uh, but Maisie grows up, uh, I think, in like in Brooklyn and in the maybe the East Village and becomes this fixture in her neighborhood running a local theater. Um, she takes care of the people in the neighborhood when the Great Depression hits. And the book is structured really interestingly so that you get the sense of several decades in New York right in about this time period that you're asking for um, through the lens of one woman's life as she moves through different parts of the city as she's looking for a partner and thinking about maybe um, starting a family or not, um, what she gets to contribute back to her neighborhood. And then the novel is set up as if someone has just discovered in the modern day Maisie's mm. diary and is going back to interview people people who knew her or who lived in the neighborhood or who had family connections. So you really get a big sense of New York um, at the time period. I really, really loved it. And Jamie Attenberg is like a, a well-kept yep. secret, I think, kind of right now um, in contemporary fiction. I've, and she's just waiting to really blow up. Her books have done well, but they should be doing better. Um, and I would love to see her That's read more pick. widely. So good I'm going to send you to St. Maisie. Okay. This next one's long. I'm going to try to cut it down. Um, hi, Jeff and Rebecca. I'm trying to hunt down some fiction recommendation requests from my mom for birthday gave her the roundhouse and the war museum she liked them both a lot but found herself sad and depressed after reading them and liked something not quite so dark to give you some background my mom she reads mostly fiction but also some memoirs and essays she and then um sybil gives us a bunch of examples which we're not going to get into here any ideas i th- i do think that others might appreciate for books that are not all completely despair inducing for holiday gifts too okay so what i'm taking <laughs> from this is like top shelf literary fiction that's not quite so dark is that where I, that's where i went yeah. um do you want to go first for yes this? yeah yeah. Yeah. This is a fun question because this I love your, top shelf literary I mean, fiction, I some, but I, but you, this is your, this is your <laughs> man, but, uh, I tend to like it yeah, sad and depressing, true, yeah. <laughs> um, but some lighter or less sad things that I've read, uh, recently, I think, man, you've got to send her the queen of yeah. the night by Alexander Chi. It is a big, beautiful work of literary historical fiction about a fascinating woman. It's about an opera singer who um, is finally about to achieve the like highest achievement that an opera singer can, which is to have an opera written uh, specifically for her and for her voice. And she sits down with the writer and he starts to tell her the story of the opera that he wants to write for her. And it's her mm. life story um, that only four people <laughs> in the world really know. And she doesn't know if he knows that he's telling her her own life story. She doesn't know where he heard the story in the first place. And so the book sort of rewinds back to her, to Liliet, um, trying to figure out who has betrayed her. And so in the process, we get to hear her whole life story. And it is just, it's a beautifully written, totally absorbing book. I haven't sunk into a novel the way that I sunk into that one um, in quite a long time. Not depressing at all, but really fascinating. You get love and scandal and heartbreak, and there is some war uh, and tons of mystery, just, just really, really, really wonderful, a big, awesome book. Um, for short stories, I liked The Unfinished World by Amber Sparks. It came out earlier this year. Um, it's a little dark. It's not depressing. It's just sort of one tick off. Mm. Like one of the opening stories is about a janitor, a, an astronaut janitor in space. Um, and there are these, in another story, there are uh, brother and sister fraternal twins that are in mourning and they're sort of channeling that into doing... Um, 
taxidermy. <laughs> it's they're very strange and interesting stories. They're dark, but you won't be sad at the end of them. Um, and then just for a great novel that has a lot of meat on the bones, but is a really fun read, The Wings Versus the World by Jade Chang, uh, which came out this year about a family who have lost their fortune and are taking a road trip across the country. You get to peek into each of the family members' lives um, and think about immigration and the American dream and the complex ways that families work. Um, but it's not uh, if she if she liked the book of unknown americans she's going to like the wings versus the world and i think that's one of the ones that um that Sybil mentioned up higher. Um, and the Water Museum, a little sad and depressing, so maybe not mm. that dark, but the Unfinished World is probably going to ring some of those same bells. Uh, the other thing, there was an addendum, which she was also looking for some paperbacks, too. So I know Queen of the Nights in paperback. Oh, okay. uh, is Unfinished World in mm-hmm. paperback? Yeah. The Unfinished World was a paperback oh, paper original. And Wangsworth World is not yeah. yet. And I, so, I, so I went top-shelf literary fiction, not so sad, can get it in paperback. Um, mm-hmm. So these are some standards. I'm going to, and if we, we maybe should make a holiday recommendation being card for next year. We should do that. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's this, this question, question. <laughs> and you just need one. Um, so where do you go? Bernadette by Maria Simple is one we recommend a lot. It's funny. It's about a woman who used to be a really famous architect. She withdrew from the profession, but then has a cause to get dragged back into it about her daughter. And it's, it's, it's madcap. I'd say madcap is a, as a fair way of putting mm-hmm. it beautifully written, super smart, Hijinks. fun, yeah. um, literary fiction. So that's one, two, uh, ring the gong, release the doves. <laughs> Here it is. Gilead by Marilyn Robinson has been recommended. Uh, We are contractually obligated by the world to mention Gilead. (laughs) Um, It's beautiful. You know, I don't know what to say about Gilead that I haven't now. If your mom hasn't read it and the author she likes, this should be in her personal wheelhouse. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the last one I'm going to recommend is I picked up a little bit of your memoir. There's a little flavor of memoir. And Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead is... It's a, it's a novel, but it's based on his own experience um, growing up, and his family would go in the summer to Sag Harbor, Long Island, for vacation, and a, a, a pocket of affluent black people um, vacationing together in this community. Um, and it's about him and his family there over the course of many years. And it's Whiteheadian only in the sense that, A, it's unlike anything he's ever done, but it's also smart and sad and funny and bleak, but also not depressing somehow. Um, which I don't know exactly how he pulls that off. He's just yeah, magic. It it's, 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 it's kind of one of those things where you, it, one and one and one makes um, a giraffe. Like the the elements don't really. Wh- however, he does it. Um, Sag Harbor is a particular spin on uh, Whitehead and memoir, um, and that's one too. I think she likes good writing and it's serious, but it's not depressing. I think that's a good way to go uh, with Whitehead. Mm-hmm. So those are my picks there. Yeah, I have yep. one more to toss out. Your Where'd You Go Bernadette recommendation reminded me, I think for sheer delight, 2 a.m. Yep. at the Cat's yep. Pajamas by Maria Helene Bertino. Um, and that is quickly becoming one of my ah. Swiss Army recommendations. Um, it's set on Christmas Eve. The whole story takes place on that one day. It's about a little girl uh, whose mom has recently passed. She lives with her dad, and all she wants is to be able to get on stage and sing jazz at mm-hmm. a club called the Cat's Pajamas. Um, and the story rotates around between her and all of these characters that live in her town, which I kind of pictured as like Stars Hollow, but with a jazz club Um, and how they watch out for her and how she gets herself into trouble and like crawls out the window and her teachers are all referring to how she's not allowed to sing in class anymore because of the thing that happened the last time she sang. Um, It's like silly and fun and totally delightful, but really smart. I just, I loved it when I read it over the holidays a few years ago. And I think that's a good, uh, won't make you sad about the world at all. uh, Cool. All right. We got to speed up. All right. up. 
We got to go to our next so, sponsor. Did, did I miss it? Did I walk? Did I talk over? We rolled over. We rolled We're right over. on okay. through. Okay, uh, this is you. It's cool. This is me. Um, this we are sponsored this week by the novice by Taryn Mathrew. Uh, this we talked about this last year when it came out because the book was born on Wattpad and was read by like a jillion people. Uh, and so here's this the story: uh, Fletcher can summon demons, but can he win a war? He's working as a blacksmith's apprentice when he discovers he has the rare ability to summon demons from another world. He's chased from his village for a crime he did not commit, and so he must travel with his demon Ignatius to an academy for where the gifted are taught the art of summoning. Along with nobles and commoners, Fletcher endures grueling lessons that will prepare him to serve as a battle mage in the Empire's war against the savage orcs. But sinister forces infect new friendships and rivalries grow. With no one but Ignatius by his side, Fletcher must decide where his loyalties lie. The fate of the Empire is in his hands. Uh, The Novice is a New York Times bestseller. Through December 5th, this uh, book is downpriced to $2.99. So you can buy it from your $2.99. You can buy it from your favorite ebook retailer, or of course, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it is book one in the Summoner series, which is a fantasy adventure. Uh, the second book is called The Inquisition. It's also on sale now. And book three comes out in May. So if you start the series now, you won't have to wait too long to finish it. It will meet can, O'Neill's you can razor kind of very soon. Because you know it's when the release of the next one's out. That's that's an that's exception yeah, under it, paragraph one of uh, O'Neill's razor. <laughs> And uh, here is the publisher's pitch for it is Harry Potter meets Pokemon meets Lord of the Rings. Uh, So also, if you're a fan of Christopher Paolini, Brandon Sanderson, uh, Cassandra Clare, those types of books, The Novice will be for you. So that's The Novice by Taryn Matharu, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, We got to speed up a little bit. So Jeff and Rebecca, thanks for taking uh, So this is from Stephanie B. And I'm going to summarize your question, Stephanie B. What books are we looking forward to? That are, that are not out yet. Mm. Um, she she's elucidating a problem that is is a real one in publishing about, especially right, we have this trouble and we do this for a living of finding out about what books are coming out in the next three six nine months, and it's hard. It's super hard. It's just really hard to do. Amanda, um, I emailed Stephanie back immediately with a link to um, Amanda's. Uh, Nelson's mm-hmm. um, feature for us on YouTube, Ready, Set, Hold, where she looks at the books coming out in three months that you want to put on your library holds list. Um, and so we're really with the question we're asking is what books are we looking forward to that are coming out in 2017 just to have on your radar, but also if you are a library power user, get them on the holds list so you can get on the top of that queue. Um, I'll fire first here. Um, names I've mentioned already a little bit to different context. The Stone Sky, as I said, that's the last... Um, I am waiting for O'Neill's Razor to to start um, Jemison's newest trilogy, and I don't know the name of it. It started with um, the fifth season, and the second one is the Obelisk Gate, and the third one is the Stone Sky, and it comes out in August. Um, uh, Celeste Aang's second book, Little Fires Everywhere, is coming out in September from Penguin. I'm looking forward to that. And then January, um, Lincoln in the Bardo by the great George Saunders. Um, probably at this point, the most anticipated literary fiction title of the year. Um, our friend Lib raved about it. I'm waiting for it to come out to read it because i that's how I roll these days. Um, but I am very much looking forward to that. So those are my three. All right. I am going to echo the Ready, Set, Hold yep. series. Also, Kelly Jensen does a great series for us. I think once a quarter of YA yep. books to have yep. on your radar. Um, so I would say check out that when you're reading Book Riot. Um, for January, Difficult Women yeah. by Roxanne Gay. Uh, she's just such short a great stories, writer, right? big novel. I, I think uh, I thought it was short stories. stories. Um, maybe it is. I have it here, but I haven't it's looked at it yet. It's either short stories or, anyway, or no, it doesn't matter. We're in. 
It's fiction yeah. by Roxane Gay. I kind of yeah. don't care what format it's in. I'm going to read it. She's wonderful. Um, All Grown Up yeah. by Jamie Attenberg. I just, I love her. This book is fantastic. It comes out in March. It reads like a house on fire um, about a young woman uh, in her 20s and 30s making sense of staying single, of not wanting children, of dealing with terrible relationships, of dealing with being a woman in the world. It ha- it's it just, you burn through it. I read it so quickly. I'm probably going to read it like nine mm. more times before it comes out. Um, I said on all the books when we talked about it recently that sometimes you read a book and you can tell that a writer has been thinking about Mm. a thing for like ever and ever and ever and it's finally crystallized and Jamie Attenberg has so clearly been thinking about what it is to be a woman today and to deal with relationships and to deal with men and she just turns her gaze 100% on it and the book is just phenomenal Uh, and I'm also really looking forward to A Separation by Katie Kitamura which comes out in February and is a dark novel about a messed up marriage uh, which is one of those things that's in my wheelhouse I just love reading fiction about the complexities of relationships so those are my three of my top picks Um, and we're going to do a 2017 preview of uh, on all the books at the end of December so you can listen to that and get another look at some more things that are coming out soon. All right. You want to read the next one? All righty. This is from Joe from Oakland. He's a member of a book club composed of four white guys, all lawyers. He says, we admittedly read too much written by white males. And I was wondering what is the best of the best, in your opinion, written by women and or minorities that our book club should read? We've all read and enjoyed Toni Morrison. Okay. Um, well, good for you guys to, to get those um, borders expanded. Um, on the other mm-hmm. hand, this is an insane question, right? I mean, that's, I mean yeah. we can only give you some places <laughs> to go. Is. These aren't, there is no master list that we keep somewhere um, of the greatest books by women. Words. I'm going to give you some. I mean, look, I've talked about Invisible Man before on the show. Um, I think, and I haven't read everything, but I've studied American literature pretty seriously for most of my adult life. For me, it's the novel of the 20th century. Uh, it's... It's brutal. It's beautiful. Uh, still relevant. Um, it connects. It has echoes of the ancient classics. Um, There's underlying structure there. It's allegorical. Uh, has a has enigmatic frame. Um, it just there's nothing like it. There's there's really nothing like it. It's it is between modern and postmodern, which is a really it came out in 1951, I think. Um, that era bef- after modernism, but before postmodernism is all, and it has connection. It stretches his arms back to both. Um, it's set in New York, in Harlem. Um, it's you know, it's I think it's the essential novel of the 20th century in America. I think if you have to pick one, that's the one to go with. So I don't know what else to say. If that's one, um, it's, it sort of feels absurd to recommend it. Even um, the other one I'm going to recommend is, is more recent is Americana uh, by Chimamanda and uh, Ngozi Adichie. Um, and I'm not going to say anything more about it right now. Just go read it. I, you know, you asked for it. Go, go read it. I, I think that's one worth discovering on your own. It's, it's still new enough, but it's even the title tells you something about it, right? It's America plus and around, um, and what it's like to be black, but not just a black American, but transatlantic and international and cosmopolitan, but also subject to race and interpersonal relationships. Um, I think it's going to hold up. You know, you don't know. You don't know how these things hold up. But I, boy, if I have to pick my invisible, if I have an invisible man token to put on something released in like the last 10 oh. years, if I have to put, you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying I know. I'm just saying I if do. I have a token and I got to put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're not putting it on the Underground Railroad. Too soon. 
Too soon. Too okay. soon. And also, right. I don't know. There's Again, this is getting into my personal stuff. I'm not sure about the magical realism, how much of that is. Because, mm. like, it's so... A, it's such a big structural part, like literally a huge infrastructure part, as opposed to something right. like Beloved, where it's much lighter and more elliptical. That kind of, I don't know. I, we'll see. I, I could be wrong about this, but mm-hmm. my sense right now is that it might be a little too much, too much of the fantastic. Just a little for my for my. And, and this is a very. I mean, I am combing with the finest of combs here. <laughs> if I'm having to choose between Americana and Underground Railroad, but Underground Railroad we've talked about before. That's a great one to do too. Yeah. Uh, go for it. You're, that. Those are mine. Those are mine. Yeah. Yeah. This is also, I, it's an insane yeah. question to try to answer. And I think I want to like do some philosophy yeah. stuff before I give my answers, because I think in any book club, you're going to read some stuff that's great and you're going to read some stuff that's not yeah. great. And so the way to do this project of reading books by people who aren't white men, is just to yep. pick some and begin. And some of them will be great and some of them won't be great. Um, or maybe your book club should complete the read harder yeah. challenge. Um, and we have lots of lists on the site that help satisfy those tasks that are specifically intended to broaden your reading life. Um, so I picked a few books that I have loved by women and people of color in the last few years. But I, pick, I think picking the best of the best or trying to like for me, trying to select yeah. that is just a, a, an impossible task. Um, I picked A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Really interesting, a book about four men, uh, most of them are white, in New York, but written by an Asian woman. And uh, so it's it's an interesting sort of crossover of going the other way. Um, and these guys have all kinds of experiences. One of them is a lawyer. Um, the book is tough. Um, there is a lot of trauma to explore, but really beautifully written. And I think a lot about masculinity and men's experiences in the world um, to take apart uh, if your book club is willing to do that. Uh, more recently, The Association of Small Bombs by Karan Maharajan. Uh, that's about a f- a family that ex- in a, I believe it's in India. I read it a couple months ago. I don't remember the city. Um, who lose a son in a bombing, and what happens in their family? What happens in the family um, with a child that survives afterwards? And also a look at how one young man becomes radicalized. Uh, and then Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo and Bui, mm-hmm. which came out this year, um, and rings I think an interesting bell. It, it's set de- in New York during the economic collapse in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character is the personal driver for one of the fancy bankers. And we see his life and we see him observe uh, what's happening to rich people in their fears, but we see him living the uh, you know much more pressing fear about not having, uh, immediately not having a job or having money or a way to provide for his family. That gap between the American dream and the reality of trying to, uh, to, trying to live it, I think uh, just a really gorgeous book, one that we heard a lot about before it came out. I haven't heard much about it since, but I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, we have it. It did kind of come and go. You're right about that. Yeah, like, and I don't know if it's like that. It came out around the time that Underground yeah, Railroad was coming out, and that. so like it just got yeah. swallowed up in that buzz. But I thought a really gorgeous and and thoughtful and well written book, um, and uh, lots of meat on the bone there for a book club. So those are my three. Okay, um, this next one. Um, this is from. I didn't include the name. I'm glad you guys did another recommendation show. I'm going to school to become a librarian. Was hoping you could recommend some books to inspire and excite me. It's a pretty vague request, but any type of bookish book or library-inspired book would be great. Uh, I got two picks for you. One's a tearjerker. Um, the End of Your Life Book Club by Will, and I don't know how to say his name. It's Schwable. S C H W A B L E. Schwable. 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 Um, Schwable. Um, Ned Ghibli. Um, 
So this is a memoir. Uh, have your Kleenex ready. Um, Will, oh, yeah. uh, it's a memoir, and it's about Will and his mother. I believe her name is Marion. She's dying of pancreatic cancer. And they read books together and talk about them. And so it's the book club they have between the two of them as she's dying. Um, it's not, it is, it's, it's sad, it's sentimental, but it's not, I think, exploitive. I think the, the mother character, I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember her name. I think it's Marion. She's a character. She's tough. She's outspoken. It's not sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of fading into the, the bed sheets sort of situation. Um, it's thoughtful. And it really is about uh, how it's about, a, it's a mother son relationship, but it's also about how books and ideas and art is a way of bridging, bridging the gaps between us. Um, about the possibility of what we can do with books. So that's one that's recommended. Um, but trigger warning for crazy sadness. I'm like yeah. crying listening yeah. to you talk about it. Um, and another one, you know, double double ring the gong. It's Marilyn Robinson's back. Um, it, when, a ch- when I was a child, I read books by Marilyn Robinson. It's a collection of essays, a memoir. Not all of them are about reading books, but a lot of them are about what books have meant to her, what books are possible. Um, the great oracle herself on books as as inspiring as a recommendation I can give you. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are my picks. Those are good ones. Uh, I started with What We See When We Read by Peter Mendelssohn, which is less about... Yeah, less about yay books and more about like, what is this mysterious thing that happens when we read words on a page and then we see stuff (laughs) in our minds? And it's not about... Hallucinate, right? Isn't that someone's quote? Basically. Yeah. And it's like, Lydia. when I saw Lydia Netzer speak a few years ago, she was talking about dreaming and she was like, so every night we basically die and go crazy. (laughs) And um, Peter Mendelssohn sort of does that for reading. Like how it's not neurology. It's not how do the neurons fire when you Mm. see, you know, a letter representing an idea and then you turn it into an image in your brain. But like, what is this sort of weird, hazy thing that happens in our minds when we read a description of something and we bring to it um, a memory of a place that we've been, or we read a description of a character and we just see them as an outline in our brain. Uh, Peter Mendelssohn is one of the art directors at Random House and a great book cover designer. And he's just a smart friend of the site. Yeah, yeah. friend of the site. Um, he's an interesting, yeah, really, really thoughtful guy. guy. And the book is illustrated, like he illustrates each um, idea that he's exploring, uh, which I thought really brought brought it to life. So there's text, but there's a whole lot of uh, sort of also visual representation happening on the page of these ideas that he's getting at about what we what we see when we read, but it also gets to sort of what we feel when we read, what that experience is of like, you're looking at a page, but you're seeing a movie in your head, or you're seeing kind of a movie in your head, or, or maybe you're just seeing like, flat Mm -hmm. images that don't move between them. How does that happen? How does it work? Sort of raises more questions than it answers. Um, And I found it to be brain breaking in a very pleasant uh, way. Uh, I haven't read anything that does quite what that book does. So that's what we see when we read by Peter Mendelssohn. For a more straight up feel good yay books, Mm -hmm. uh, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin about a guy living on a small island who opens a bookstore um, and finds love and raises his family in the bookstore. Um, and it's, it's right in the wheelhouse of, you know, great paragraphs about all those wonderful things that we love about books and reading these characters, these characters do too. Um, that's a good, just feel good, like wrap your brain in a blanket kind of question. Yeah. That's a really good one. Uh, let's see. Is it my turn to read? Did I read the last one? I can't remember. I don't I'll do remember. The next. It doesn't matter. I think uh, it's, let's see. Yeah, a big fan of the show. Question. Uh, this year, my sister has really been getting into memoirs. She liked When Women Were Birds, 
Ching and Lab Girl Ching and Born a Crime. I'm wondering if you can say any of your favorite memoirs that you feel like could relate to on a deeper emotional level. Subway memoirs okay, but not preferred. Um, maybe some post-election reading section, blah, blah, blah. Good. Okay. Um, I got two. Um, okay. These are both, you know, ones we've talked about this year already. Negro Land by Margot Jefferson. Actually, not unlike so The Living is Easy, I just realized that when I was um, doing the, the spiel about Living is Easy, Dorothy West, uh, upper upper class black people in the 40s, this time Chicago rather than Boston. Jefferson herself goes on to become an award, you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning cultural critic. So, you know, she has the eye. She knows what she's talking about in terms of culture, but then also her memoir and personal story. Beautiful. It's available in paperback now. It's new this year. Um, boy, is it great. I, had, I read a lot. I did a lot of great memoirs this year. Um, and this one really stuck out. And she's a wonderful person, wonderful writer, uh, well worth your time. This one I haven't read yet, but Michelle came home. I, I think I've told you guys that Michelle's been reading The Clancy's of Queens, listening to it by Tara Clancy, who, who stole so our good. heart at Book Riot Live that, this year. And, and, and Michelle did the thing that we all know is the sign of a great audiobook, which is when she, she came in with her headphones on and stood there in the door for a minute and listened to the end of the book. And was sad that it was over. You know, like there is this phenomenon too in reading an audiobook, and you get, and you're into one you like, and you get to the end, it's like nothing will ever be as good. You know, like there's there's just something where it's like I want to live in it longer, and that had this has that thing of wanting to live in it longer and keep the headphones in longer. Um, it's a story of T- Tara grew up in Queens, um, a working class family. She herself is, is a she. I, I think she would appreciate the the use of the Butch Dyke uh, <laughs> a moniker that she would uh, attribute to herself and does. Um, and she, the great there's so many great stories is she's like people ask where the conflict is like my name was on the book and she's writing about her her yeah. working class family in queens and her own place in the world um a lot of great anecdotes uh, very moving um, also very funny apparently i again i'm waiting to get to it. i don't know what i'm waiting on it's kind of, one of those things like i know it's there it's kind of like if, if you've it's got so like cake good, in the Jeff. freezer it's like almost just having it there in a way is better than it's, eating it but i'm really looking forward to it yeah. so i'm 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 pre pre-experientially recommending the clancy's of queens by terry i just finished it yesterday mm. on audio and i don't remember if i I was talking to you or Amanda about it, but I do feel like she has ruined me for audiobooks oh, for no. a while. Like, so you, Michelle, you I have to give the same, like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Yeah, like, I don't know, because nonfiction and memoir yeah. are kind of exclusively what right. I do on audio, and I don't do know go? who else is going to be as fun to drive around with for a while. I might have to like switch to yeah. something very business, maybe do businessy, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe so. It's, it is so wonderful. Uh, let's see. This is, I feel like a question that's yeah. in my wheelhouse. Um, since your sister liked when women were birds and lab girl, I think H is for ah, Hawk by Helen McDonald, which was one God, of our, you got to ring the gun for that one. That? I was so surprised. I was like, well, did Jeff leave H is for Hawk for me? Um, it's one of our shared favorites, but this quiet meditative powerhouse of a memoir that's ostensibly about training goshawks, but is really about, uh, grief and the projects that we throw ourselves into and humanity and reading and, oh, it's so (laughs) So good. good. It is so, it's so good. We fought last year over who was going to get to blurb it for the the best books of the year. Uh, it's, it is wonderful. So she liked when women were birds and lab girl, I think H is for Hawk is kind of, if those two books had had a baby, Mm, what you would get. Um, celebrity memoir that is deep and is inspirational and motivational, which is a thing that, uh, Mars asked us for is year of yes by, um, 
Shonda Rhimes. It's really about um, taking risks and getting out of your comfort zone. Very little to do with the fact that she's famous, other than that the things that she gets asked to do um, and says yes to are, you know, things like giving commencement speeches at fancy universities, where you might be more trying to get inspired to like right. take a risk in your own career. But very applicable. Um, and then since uh, you said she liked Born a Crime and she was looking for things to relate to on a deeper level, um, Invisible Man got the whole whole world watching uh, by Michael. Denzel Smith is a really remarkable memoir that came out this year from a small press. I'm convinced if it had come out from a big Mm. press that we would be seeing it all over the place um, about a young black man's coming to political consciousness, um, coming to understand himself as a black man, but also coming to understand himself as a feminist and the intersections of those. Um, I am sure that there are other black men writing about intersectional Mm. issues, but this is the first memoir that I've come across that does it. The women are doing a lot of the work writing about intersectionality. Mm. Um, So lots of really interesting stuff there. Cool. All right. Got to do our last sponsor. Man, we got to keep cooking. I'm I'm just, I'm excited to get to the next uh, question. So I'm blowing through. This one's me. This is Searching for John Hughes. It's a new memoir out now from Jason Diamond. Um, and he has, he's from Chicago and he's been infatuated with the John Hughes movies for his whole life. Um, Basically, if you like, you know, if you like these movies, it's going to be about that. But it's also about his being a kid in Chicago and feeling like his imposter syndrome and the movies that help him make him who he is. Um, he had no qualification, training, or platform or direction. He just wanted to try to write a biography of John Hughes, and then it also became about him. So it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, what's her name? Uh, Susan Orlean. It's not doing the Orchid mm-hmm. Thief. Is that the name of the book? But then it also becomes yeah, yeah. about other things too. Um, and then when Charlie Kaufman tried to adapt it, an adaptation it became about being Charlie Kaufman. So it's like when sometimes you get writers sort of trying to encounter the art that's matter to them, what they see is themselves. And what one thing Jason Diamond is trying to do here is incorporate John Hughes movies and what they do and what they're about with what he is and what he's about and how it reflects and doesn't reflect um, who he is. He's a, the sports at Jason is the sports at rollingstone.com. He's the founder of volume one, Brooklyn, longtime friend, friend of the of site. The site. <laughs> um, he's published everywhere. Um, so that's searching for John Hughes. So if you like memoir, you like John Hughes movies, you like pop culture, you like something wistful and, mem- and memorable, I think this is a good pick for you. You've read this. Tell me more. I haven't read this yet, but you tell yeah, me more. Yeah, I just read this. Um, I didn't realize that they were mm. sponsoring the show. I was talking about it on all mm. the books last week. I, I really, really loved it. I think this is also a good fit I for the question gonna that say, we just I was just going to say, I was going to ask you if you thought so, yeah. Because <laughs> um, Jason writes early in the book about how like his childhood was very difficult, and so the thing that he loved and related to in these John Hughes movies was that no matter what happened, like whether, you know, your parents forget your 16th birthday because they're all caught up in your sister's wedding or you literally live on the wrong side of the tracks and you can't get the person that you have the crush on or whatever, everything always ends up okay in the end of these movies. And that's the thing that he really connected to and that he wanted for his own life, but that he didn't feel was possible. So he's, he sort of is drawing on that um, from John Hughes movies, hoping that it will also be okay for him somehow, even if he doesn't know how. And so he talks about the difficulties of his childhood. He talks about trying to write this book about John Hughes and ultimately figuring out that what he needed to do was tell his own story. Um, it is very inspiring um, and you know very candid. And uh, I thought it was really, it's, it's just a really great book um, for lovers of pop culture and modern writing, but really for everybody. It's, it's a really excellent memoir. So I think that's a good yeah, fit good. for Mars uh, to, to buy for her sister. That was a nice timing. Good, good job good rolling job, good over job. that. Um, let's see. Love the podcast. My roommate is looking to get into novels, but isn't a big reader. He loves comics, especially anything DC and Batman related, and he loves anything to deal with Tolkien and Middle Earth. Would love to give him a good book. 
Uh, Stocking stuffer. Also, if you have time, recommendations for a World War II buff. My boss has read a lot of the mainstream World War II nonfiction styles. I'd love to give him something more obscure. If you have any recommendations for it, okay. Uh, I'm going to take the comic book part first. Um, I mean, these are the two canonical like comic book adjacent novels: um, uh, Amazing yep. Adventures of Cavalier Clay by Michael Shaben. Um, it's about two guys, Cavalier and Clay, in the in New York in the dawn of the comic book industry and their creation of the Escapist, who is their hero. It's it's great about the early days of New York. It's got a great plot. It's beautifully written. Um, it's it's really great. If he likes comic books, there's any inkling at all into getting into fiction. This is a one double plus recommendation. After that, brief wondrous life of Oscar Wilde by Juno Diaz. Also features Oscar Wow as a kid. He's um, the narrator of the book is Oscar Wow's roommate at I think at Newark. I can't quite remember, but he meets him and Wow's a huge video game and comic book nerd and gets get caught up in events larger than himself. And some of it is wanting to be a part of an adventure. Um, and he ends up in part of the revolution, the Dominican Republic. Like it's crazy, but it's it's it's, <laughs> it it's Diaz. It's, so good. It's, the, it's the book that made Diaz um, who he is, and I think in a lot of ways he it is still it's still the one to go with. Um, my last one for your boss, I think I've recommended this on the show before. It's uh, World War II mm-hmm. adjacent. It's called The Paris Architect by Charles Belfort. And it is about an architect in the 1930s in Paris who's approached by a wealthy Jew who says, I see the storm coming of the Nazis. And what I want is for you to build in to buildings around Paris places to put Jews. Um, and that, that's, the, I mean, I don't, that's, that's a pretty good hook. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, and I, my dad and I both read it and both really liked it. Uh, it's also, if you like Paris, it's a good Paris book or architecture. So it really can go any, any kind of way. But that's, it's fiction. So it's not nonfiction. But you know what? Give your boss something different. You can read some fiction. All right. You're up. All right. Yeah, you beat yeah, me I with did. Brief Run- Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow there. So I'm going for to a comic about there you comics go. Yeah, first. Smart. Um, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud really cool when we were starting mm-hmm. panels. Um, Paul Montgomery recommended this to me. It is um, like sort of an academic almost look at what comics are and how they work and the history of them. Um, and it's all told as a comic. So if you've got a diehard comics fan, um, I think you'd be into this. Uh, it seems like one of those essential works on the syllabus of understanding comics and uh, thinking about them in an interesting and critical way. So there's that. And then for a novel that reads like a comic book, um, The Regional Office is Under Attack by Manuel Gonzalez. Uh, came out this year. Crazy stories about like secret assassins and super villains and finding young girls that you turn into oracles and like a a plot to take down a major organization from inside the organization. Um, and you could just see it in like, I sort of saw it in my head as mm-hmm. a comic book of like, bang, pow, here's the secret. Like here's the person climbing down the air duct. Um, how to, it's just a really fun zany, uh, sort of feel. So I think if he, if he wants to make a jump into novels, uh, regional office is under attack would be an interesting way to do that. All right. I made an on the fly switch, um, for the next one. I'm okay. looking for record. This is my next question. I'm looking for, <sighs> I almost you did, put for real. this one in here. I'm looking for recognition for my aunt. I frequently suggest Rebecca Picks to her, but I'm currently running out of ideas. She likes both fiction and nonfiction that delves deep into the human experience, but is ultimately inspiring and or lighthearted. She loves Brene Brown, Glennon, Doyle Melton, and Mary Roach. She also loves The Great Gilead and Jamie Antenberg. Three shout-outs to Jamie Antenberg, St. Maisie. Any woo, suggestions, woo. Bethany? Um, I'm going with Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin, which is out in paperback now. Um, she was a guest on Reading Lives, and Hammerhead is about her... Switching a career, she was um, a newspaper woman in Boston, I believe, uh, and then decided Mm -hmm. she didn't want to do that, and she became a carpenter, master carpenter. 
Um, and she's also, uh, Nina is a great book lover. So there's a lot of literary references in there. She was a guest on reading live. She was wonderful when that show was up. Um, good memoir to be good on audio. Again, it delves into it, but it's ultimately uplifting and you can do it. And this is, it's sad and interesting and hard, but also worth doing kind of, you know, I don't mean to be glib about it, but that's what I, you know, that's what I'm looking for that ultimately inspiring and or lighthearted. It's also fun and interesting because mm-hmm. you learn a lot about carpentry. Um, so that, that's fun as well. Yeah, that book is like, please write another chapter about yes, standing. Yes, I know, right? Yeah, can it's you tell like, me something about uh, all punches? I don't even know if that's a word, it's but so I hope good. so. So good. Um, I've got a couple. The book that rang my Brene Brown, mm. Glennon Doyle, Melton bells this year was On Living by Carrie mm. Egan. Um, this is a snot bomb <laughs> of like the 10th degree, but in such a good way. She has been a chaplain in the hospice um, centers for several decades. And this is a sort of memoir in stories from uh, the stories that her patients have told her and that her patients' families have told her at the end of their lives. And it gets at uh, sort of the common themes that she discovered having sat with people in their literal dying moments for decades now of the secrets people carry, the shame that they carry, the things that we hope for um, at the end of our lives, the things that we regret at the end of our lives. And she uses these stories. Some of them are sad. Some of them are very funny. Some of them are hopeful to give insight to how we should live our lives to have, you know, sort of to feel the best possible way that we can feel at the end of them. It's really lovely and so just thoughtful and meditative and exactly like I was just like, this is exactly the person that I would want to have sitting with me in my dying moments. Like she thinks very openly about what her job is uh, when she's in the room with people to make space for them to not bring her own stuff into it, um, how to thoughtfully respond to them in a way that like a chaplain is not a therapist and a chaplain is also not a preacher. Um, so what what do you do um, when you're sitting with someone who's trying to make meaning at the end of their life? Um, really, really beautiful, essential. It's a, it's a book that I've given to a bunch of people already this year and that I feel like I'm going to go back to a whole lot. Um, for fiction that goes deep into the human experience. And this is a this is a darker book. It's smaller. Um, the Story of a Brief Marriage by Anouk Ard Pragasam um, is all set. I also think it's all set on one day. And um, the characters are in a village that's being bombed, uh, and they decide that maybe they should get married. And it's about um, they, they've never met each other until this day. Um, the woman's father approaches the man and proposes that uh, they get married because then the woman will have protection and the man will be less likely to be drafted into military service um, if they're married. And they're in the midst of this horrible experience, each contemplating what does it mean to take an act, to, to commit an act of hope like marriage um, or like love or like uh, connecting to someone with sex um, in the midst, uh, like to have those really human and hopeful moments in the midst of a very difficult and dark experience. It's not an easy read, but I did feel ultimately uplifted by it. So I'm going to go with that one. Cool. Um, I'm going to take the next one. Um, I got an almost 11 year old boy has finally branched into longer books thanks to Harry Potter. Spent a long time in Wimpy Kid and an eight books. So blah, blah, blah. He didn't really care for Percy Jackson. Um, so what do you got? Um, 11. If you can read Harry Potter, he might be ready for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. My obligatory mm-hmm. second mention of that. Every, I guess every every part of every episode, I have to do that. I think at 11, if you can read Harry Potter, Lion, the Witch, of the Wardrobe, we might be ready for. Um, even And The oh, Hobbit. Good idea. Maybe not the full fellowship, but The Hobbit. 
um, at 11 if he can read Harry Potter. And he's gotten through all seven. By Deathly Hallows, he's probably ready if he can do that to get in The Hobbit. Um, the other one I'd recommend, it's more squarely middle grade, which is The Land of Stories by Chris Colfer, which is a series of books um, that it's kind of has a Narnia-like uh, opening where uh, these twins get a um, a book, a fairy, a book of fairy tales from their grandmother, and it's kind of like the wardrobe uh, in Narnia, where it opens up this world. It's called the Land of Stories, in which it's sort of a Shrek-like world where the the fairy tales that we know are all there, but they're mixed up. You know, they're not; they don't quite fall into the things we know, and they get swept up into a large narrative about a big war brewing in Fairyland. So, it has some of the same elements that you might go in. So, there's the first one is called the Wishing Spell. Um, yeah. Uh, a teenager in my in my life read these recently, and I was talking to them about it, and so that that one sprung to mind. And there's five books, so there's a series they can really get into that if they want. So those are my two picks. You didn't have anything there. Is there anything you want to add? Or do you, you I got on? nothing. Okay. Uh, next, moving on. Uh, let's see, yeah, love the show, and the, let's see. Typically reads a lot of lit fic with a sprinkling of historical fiction, but I'm trying to be not so hoity-toity and Yay, read more sci-fi. Heidi. Yeah, yes, awesome. Uh, let's see. Heidi has recently loved Ready Player One, Dark Matter, and Saga is also a big Doctor Who and Star Trek fan, and she's looking for recommendations to scratch that itch. So um, Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway uh, has that like sci-fi, well, sort of fantasy elements like villains and underground crime circles and bees that can <laughs> predict the future or tell the world's secrets or something. Um, but very literary, wonderful writing. Um, Long Division by Kiese Lehman. Uh, it's about a kid who gets a book called Long Division, and it's about his life. Uh, and there's great uh, references to sci-fi and also to music. And my like off-the-wall recommendation here is Equilateral mm. by Ken Kalfas, which is this weird book. Um, in the 19th century, these astronomers are building a giant equilateral triangle in Egypt that they're going to set on fire when Earth aligns in, in a proper position with Mars, because they're going to communicate with the beings that they believe live on Mars by indicating to them that we understand geometry. Um, and it's just super bonkers, um, but so well-written and very absorbing and uh, I think kind of an obscure selection uh, But uh, for the Star Trek, to ring those Star Trek bells. Um, I got a couple picks here. Um, one is, I'll start with straight sci-fi, Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nouvelle. Is that how you say his name? Do you know Sylvain Nouvelle? Something like that. I think that. so. Um, it's pretty straight sci-fi. Um, basically, they're have been they're discovered that there's these giant pieces of what looks like a statue or robot buried around the earth and that it's clear that they come from an extraterrestrial civilization civilization as the process of the team finding them and putting together and trying to figure out what they do uh, it's great page turner my brothers and i tore through it whenever i find a science fiction that i really like i pass it on to like my immediate family because they all like science fiction that's the one i passed on this year um, there's a, it's a, the, I didn't know at the time I was violating O'Neill's razor cause the marketing was bad. Um, th- but it's part of a series and the second one, uh, sneaky, the marketing sneaky. was sneaky. Well, I call that bad. Um, because I like to know what's in my hot dog. Um, anyway, and the second one is coming out, waking gods is coming out in April. So at least there's some hope on the horizon. My next pick, the great Colson Whitehead, again, the intuitionist, um, uh, boy, it's hard to describe this one. That doesn't sound absurd, but it's, I guess you would call it uh, almost steampunk, uh, kind of, where it's a world much like ours, except uh, there are two, elevators are 
maybe magic, maybe not. And there are two schools of elevator repair, which are sort of uh, opposed uh, uh, ontological schools. One is the intuitionist, that they sort of go by feel and touch. And the other are the empiricists, which I guess would be more like a conventional um, elevator repair. Uh, anyway, and it's about <laughs> this woman. I can't remember. Daisy May? I can't remember exactly her name. It's something like this. Three names. But she is kind of like uh, she's an elevator inspector but she gets caught up in this larger conspiracy about elevators and you know knowledge and there's this book and there's this fountain it's really great it was uh, whitehead's debut novel and man is it strange uh and and awesome it came i remember picking it up distinctly in the remainder cov- uh, uh uh table at uh, the strand um soon after it came out reading it the, the synopsis and thinking, I don't know what this is. And I read it. And that was the beginning of my sort of whitehead obsession. Another super weird one. That's if, if you're ready to mix and match the city in the city by China Mieville, oh, so it's good. a combination of weird fiction and steampunk, but also the police procedural. Um, I don't know if you know this, but he wrote this for his terminally ill mother. Cause she was a huge fan of police procedurals. I and did so not know that. He did his own spin of a gift of a story for her. It's two cities that live side by side or not even side. I don't know how you describe this, but like, it's like one, it's like city, one city with but, multiple planes of being kind of on yeah, it. Yeah, like, well, they're like on the same plane. Yeah. Like everything exists physically right. in the same spot. But if you're from, if you're like in half the population, you can only see right. half of the places, even though they're all there. You just pretend not to see them. They unseeing, call it unseeing. Yeah. And if you cross over, it's called what, breaching, right? Like if you sort of interact with the yeah. other. This is a bonkers bon- book to try to explain. Kind of like, I mean. This is kind of a, a, a close your eyes and jump. I'm telling you to close your eyes and jump with City in the City mm-hmm. in Ch- by China, yeah. China Mieville and the Intuition by Colson Whitehead. Um, but also a great st- – I mean, both of them also – they're both kind of detective-y. So they have a really a propulsive plot um, that gets you through and helps you figure out and deal with the weirdness. Um, and, and both and both of them aren't weird for weird sake. I think the weirdness really does something to the book. I mean, like, it's not just like, what's the conceit of the the, the two protagonists in a romantic comedy not getting together? It's not like one of those things. Like, it's part of what the book is doing. So those are my mm-hmm. picks. Um, City in the City by China Mieville, The Intuitionist by Colson Whitehead, Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nouvelle. Is it? We have so many I know. questions How are we left. Do? Well, we got three. We can do three in ten minutes. We can do three. We're going to try to get <laughs> right. You do the okay. next one. All right. This is a longtime listener of the podcast shopping for uh, their dad. He, like, let's see, dad is into Southern literary fiction, mysteries with a dark twist, and short stories. He's owned every volume of Best American Short Stories for the last 15 years. Finding something that he doesn't already know about uh, is a big win. And so we got, so let's see, Southern literary fiction, mysteries with a dark twist, and short stories. I got um, Dark Places by Gillian Gillian Flynn. I always do that wrong. Um, I think a lot of people that have read her oeuvre say this is better are you one of those have you read this I liked what's the first Uh, one about sharp objects objects. I liked that one Um, anyway this it's a mystery novel um, a sole survivor. And the reason I read this one, because it was set in Kansas, you know, I don't know this dumb, like, um, so, and it's, it's dark and it's scary and it's, you know, dark, a, a dark mystery. So I don't know what to say. It's good. It's really good. I don't want to give away too much of the plot, I guess. <laughs> I hit you uh, square on the nail here um, with Vir- Virgin <laughs> and Other Stories by April Ayers I Lawson. I love this collection. It is Southern mm-hmm. Gothic short stories, boom. And it's new. Yep. It came out in November of this year. It's just out. It's so um, good. I don't know if it's on. Is this audiobooks a part of this? 
Uh, no, oh, no, just short stories instead of literary fiction, and mm-hmm. it's it's really awesome. I've read two of the stories, um, so I haven't read them all, but I think it's going to do there. The other one for I can leave it there. Those are my picks, and then a oh, kids book, real okay. quick, eight month old. We read the Little Blue Truck. We loved it for both my kids. Go get the Little Blue Truck. I don't know the name of the other. Go Google it. That's my eight-year-old. okay. Go, you go. <laughs> well. I'm mad at you for giving Virgin another stories because that's one of my favorites of the year this year. Um, these are kind of some of these are kind of yep. wheelhousey for me. Uh, Children of the New World by Alexander Weinstein is a dark dystopian collection of short stories like near future about what technology will do, like what happens when we all just live in virtual reality worlds and never leave our houses. But it's really fascinating and did not make me hate humanity. Um, we show what we have learned by Claire Beams, rang a bunch of my uh, Karen Russell. George Saunders kind of bells. It's weird. Uh, it's just really fantastic. Uh, and it, it's from a small press, so your dad mm-hmm. might not have heard of it uh, this year. Mothers Tell Your Daughters by Bonnie Jo Campbell. Uh, she is magical because her books feel like they're gritty Southern fiction, but they're all set in Michigan. <laughs> and like I read them and I was like, excuse me, North. what? Um, yeah, it feels, yeah, yes. Um, I was, my mind was blown when I found out that she wasn't a Southern writer. Um, so maybe he has not been picking her up, but those are Mothers Tell Your Daughters is her newest collection. I really, really loved it. Uh, the Hall of Small Mammals by Thomas Pierce is also set in the South. Um, more short stories grounded in reality. They're a little bit dark, but about complex family stuff. Um, probably a little bit closer to the mm. Ron Rash feeling. Uh, the Miniature Wife by Manuel Gonzalez is just a bonkers great collection of short stories. Uh, has a little bit of darkness. It's not Southern at all. Just needs to be more widely read. I love him. Uh, and for the thrillers with a dark twist, your, your dad's got to be reading. Yeah, Megan I was going to wonder if you were going to um, pick that. Yeah. Yeah. And the newest one is Dare Me, but all of her books are are really wonderful. They are so dark uh, and very surprising. And most of them are pretty short, so they pack a powerful punch. Um, I would start with Dare Me. Um, what is the one about cheerleaders? Fever? I can't remember. She has, is it Fever? Hmm? Is there one called Fever? Is that oh, one? there is the Fever. Uh, There's another okay, one about know. cheerleaders. Mm. They're all good. Um, do a Google, see which one seems most likely to get your dad hooked, and then he can read all of them. All right, you want to read the, this? we got two more. Why don't you read the yes. next one for me? Let's see. Next one is from Sarah. Um, she and her sister-in-law exchange books for Christmas. They've both transitioned to e-books and audiobooks, but for the holidays, she wants to give a gift that's a physical book, so she wants to find something where there's a benefit to having it in physical form and possibly a better reading experience. In the past, she's given S by J.J. Abrams, Bats of the Republic, and The Strange Library by Haruki Murakami. I got one. Go graphic novel. It's Saga. Mm-hmm. Brian K. Vaughn um, and Fiona, oh, what's her last name? Darn it, I can't remember. That. Staples um, is the, yes. is the um, no, is it Brian K. Vaughn? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, sometimes yeah, I get Vaughan Matt Fraction and Brian, Brian K. Vaughn mixed up. And the one I'd recommend is there's a beautiful um, collection of the first three volumes. Um, that's a nice big hardback. So, you know, it's substantial. Oh, yeah. You sit there and read it. And also it has that thing that sometimes I don't like about comics where you get through it too fast. Even one volume of uh, a collection of, of uh, a trade collection. But this has three, so it's a nice big, you can sink your teeth into it. It looks great on the shelf. That's my pick, a Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and uh, Fiona Staples. 
Uh, in the comics vein, I'm going to do building stories, and I forgot to write down the name of the person mm. who created it, but it's a box in which you get a whole bunch of different elements that all have different uh. comic panels on them, and you take them apart and put them back together in your own order. Like, there are no instructions. It made me panic a little bit of, like, am I doing this right? And Jen uh, Northington talked me down of, like, there's no right, right way, Rebecca. You just put the stories together and see what happens. And if you give yourself over to that, it is a really amazing reading experience and you can only experience it mm. in physical form like there's no way that this could be an ebook or an audiobook um, it's really cool unlike any reading experience that I've had. Uh, and then for a little bit more straightforward, similar to S, uh, the selected works of T.S. Spivet mm. by Reef Inger. Uh, is a sort of an illuminated manuscript where you jump back and forth in the book to a bunch of different things and you get drawings of like widgets that they're creating. And that's definitely a book as object mm -hmm. experience too. Cool. Last right. one. And we'll get out of here. A request from my dad. He read the intuitionist and loved it. We, we recommended for him and he, great, he loved it. So there we go. Um, mm -hmm. da -da -da, one of his favorite authors. So let's see, he enjoyed and see looking for something else. Enjoys science fiction with sides of literary fiction and mystery. Some books and authors he's enjoyed are the Flavia de Luce. I don't know how to say that. Ian e M. Banks and Lecky's Imperial. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, uh, and Le Imperial books. Boy, I'm really flubbing it. <laughs> David Mitchell, of course. Colson Whitehead. Um, I, I, I'm going to echo a couple. Sleeping Giants. I think his life really like How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. <sighs> I'm so mad at you. <laughs> is short stories, but sci-fi, but also experimental and beautiful short story sci-fi. And about a parent-father relationship. relationship. Like a, well, father-child. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, father-child, excuse me. And then The Rosie Project, a little lighter by Graham Simonson, or Simonson, I can't remember the last name exactly, where a, a robotics Simpson? professor basically is trying to build himself a paramour. It's interesting and fun and thoughtful and a really good read. Um, Robin Sloan's Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore, another one I don't know how to describe exactly, but it's about, there's this sort of bookstore, special bookstore that someone goes into, and there's like competing schools of rare book collectors, and it's about the history of books and also what books can do, but also some sort of futurist Robin Sloan steampunky kind of things going on there. Um, it's a really good <laughs> one for a book lover who likes something a little bit different. And then the three body problem, another name. Do you know how to say this guy's name? I, I should. Uh, I think it's Shishin, Shishin Lu. Lu. It's, um, I've been waiting for it to be done. It is now done. It's a trilogy of sci-fi novels. That's a huge deal in China. Um, it's a Chinese writer translated by Ken Liu. Um, and I'm, I'm, this is what I'm sinking my, my teeth into over the break. Um, Rachel Cordasco, who um, writes for us, who does a lot of science fiction and translation, has been raving about this for like years, it feels like, and I've been waiting for it to get done. And so I'm going to dig in to the three-body problem there. So those are, those, are some, those are some ideas for you there. Uh, I'm going to say Karen Russell's short stories. I love. Um, oh crap! What is it called? <laughs> now I'm having a, I'm having a forgetful moment of the Karen Russell's. I'm um, yeah, St. Lucy's Home for okay. Girls Raised by Wolves. Uh, that's my favorite collection of hers. Just you know, slightly off, strange. If you like the weirdness of Colson Whitehead, I think you'll like the weirdness uh, of um, Karen Russell. Stories of Your Life by Ted Chang is a great collection of short stories. The movie Arrival, which is out right now, um, has the is based on one of those stories and it does, you know, sort of futuristic, um, slightly sci-fi. So your Anne Leckie stuff uh, comes in there, but looks at science and issues of humanity. The Book of Strange New Things mm. by Michelle Faber. 
um, about a, a pastor who gets called to go um, on a mission to uh, another planet that Earth has been colonizing and to try to evangelize, he believes, the beings who live there. And so it's a great big book um, about space and the limits of humanity, but also about uh, the nature of faith and the limitations of faith um, and relationships. It's wonderful. And Speak by Louisa Hall, uh, which is a, a novel from last year that I think mm-hmm. should be much more widely read about, uh, ultimately about a man who created really good AI robots and what happened after that, after people maybe got too attached to the relationships that they had uh, with robots. Okay. Um, two more. We get one each. These, these, these okay. guys got it in just under the bell, so we'll give them something, but we can't do the full thing. We're running out of time. Um, but also they said nice things about us. So what, I don't know what else to do. Your podcast is a highlight of my Monday each week. Thank you. I'm looking for a book for my dad. He loves to read about the woods, trees, and forestry. Okay. So he's already read the things we know. Walk in the Woods, Splintered History of Wood, Wild by Shelled Strays, The Wild Trees by Richard Priston. And I was going to suggest The Hidden Life of Trees, but Caitlin's already gotten them for her dad, so I can't go there. So I'm going <laughs> back in the way back. It's not really the way back machine, but I'm going to Norman McLean's Young Men in Fire. Um, and it's about the Man Gulch Fire, uh, which happened, I think, in the uh, 40s. Yeah, 40s. And 13 firefighters died. Um, in that fire. And McLean, he wrote, uh, most famous for A River Runs Through It. And if you know anything about that book or movie, it's beautiful. It's sad. He's so good with nature. And man, it's like, it's really great. Um, so this is about the fire and what it's like to be a forest fire and taking care of fire. It's just, it's amazing book. Uh, it's one of the more indelible uh, books I've read. Um, and I read it when I was younger. So it has that phenomenon too. But Boy, I didn't know nonfiction could do that. And so it's trees on fire. I hope that's okay. I hope that's okay for trees, tree books for your dad. <laughs> uh, I'm going tree, tree adjacent, adjacent. Yes. on on trails by Robert Moore, uh, which is uh, is out this year, and it's partially about hiking and being on trails, and it's also partially sort of a philosophical exploration mm-hmm. of what trails. Are and what they mean to us. So it gets at getting out in nature um, in, from a slightly slanted perspective. And then I also have to cheat and mention The Hour of Land by Terry Tempest Williams, which is about the National Parks. <laughs> All right, last one. <laughs> I'm looking, looking for a book or book to get my brother for Christmas. He's a journalist and likes to read mostly nonfiction. A couple of fictions got in. His favorite authors include Eric Larson, Jeffrey Tubin, Michael Crichton. Past nonfiction books he's liked include Evicted, uh, Ghetto Side, and Seabiscuit. I'm picking... Because I get to shout it out, but it's also nonfiction about someone who becomes a journalist. Barbarian Days by William Finnegan, one of my favorite books I've read this year. Um, Finnegan grew up as a surfer and spent many of his years as a young man surfing the world. Um, one of the first to surf of many of the great breaks um, down the Pacific Islands, Australia, all over the all over the world. But also when he was uh, in different parts of the world, got involved in journalistic projects. And now is largely known, was largely known before this as a staff writer for The New Yorker. Um, so it's about writing. It's about exploring the world and about surfing, which is beautiful. So I loved it. I did on audio, which is terrific, but it's also a really good read and print. I've recommended it to a couple people there um, and thumbs up all around. So it's Barbarian Days by William Finnegan is my pick there. Okay. Inspired by the mention of Evicted by Matthew Desmond and Ghetto Side by Gio Levy here, I'm going with We Gonna Be All Right by Jeff Chang. Uh, he's a journalist. This is a collection of journalistic essays about race, diversity, and inclusivity, um, and about Ferguson. And there's a really deep dive into the history of Ferguson, like back into the 1900s, like political history of what led up to making it the place where the things that happened in Ferguson happened. Uh, really fascinating, well-written, and an important book um, out in 
in uh, paperback original this year. It's a gorgeous Woo! little book. And that's our show. We right, gotta go. We We're like an hour and a half late for a call for a different call. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oops. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Searching for John Hughes by Jason Diamond, The Novice by Taryn Matharu, and Audible, of course, audible.com slash podcast. Get yourself uh, audible.com slash book riot. Um, they did that old URL for so long, I'm never going to be able to get it right. Get yourself a free 30-day trial. Thank you guys so much. Happy holidays. I hope. And if Happy you buy holidays. any of these or read them and loved them or hated them, we want, we want to know. We want to know how we do. Give us, give us some feedback when it's time. I know it's going to take a while, but we enjoy doing it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Happy holidays to you all. Have a good one.